and from the heart of our nation's capital here's family research council president tony perkins welcome to washington watch thanks for tuning in on this friday This is a Friday edition of Washington Watch, but today is what is recognized as Good Friday, the day on which we remember the crucifixion of Jesus Christ on the cross for the sins of all mankind. Now, it was a turning point in human history, and it is what makes Christianity stand out from all other belief systems or religions. Now, religions are man's attempts to reach God, where Jesus Christ was God's way of reaching out to mankind. There is no religion other than Christianity, where the worshipped deity gives his life for his own creation. But have you ever wondered why one of the darkest days in human history, the day that Jesus Christ was brutally executed, is called good? Let's talk about that. We're also going to go to the place the crucifixion occurred nearly 2,000 years ago, Jerusalem, when Chris Mitchell with CBN News joins us in just a moment. And speaking of good... It is the good news, the gospel that has and continues to provide hope for men, women, and children. And guess where that good news is found? It's found in the Bible. So how many Americans are actually engaged with the Bible, discovering that good news? And for those who do, what's their hope index look like? We're going to tackle those questions when we take a look at the American Bible Society and the first chapter that they just released of their State of the Bible 2023. Dr. John Plake, Director of Ministry Intelligence at the American Bible Society, joins us for that conversation a little later on Washington Watch. And given all that is happening in our world today, how can we as followers of Christ not just spiritually survive, but actually thrive? We're going to talk about that. Our word for today comes from Psalm 30, verse 5. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. God's wrath was poured out on his son, who hung on the cross in our place, so that the joy that came on resurrection morning could shine on us for all of eternity. That is the story of the resurrection, the turning point in human history, the hope for all mankind. To join us in our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org slash Bible. As we observe Good Friday today, it is also the third day of Passover, marking the events in the book of Exodus that led God's people out of bondage in Israel toward the promised land. Now, this year's Good Friday and Passover week come at a time when the nation of Israel is experiencing another period of intense turmoil from um, both external security threats and internal political strife. Joining me now from Jerusalem to discuss this is Chris Mitchell, Middle East Bureau Chief for CBN News. Chris, welcome to Washington Watch. Tony, great to be with you again. And uh, he is risen. That's what they say here. He is risen indeed. Well, when we look at uh, the turmoil that uh, surrounded uh, Jerusalem, the city that you were in 2,000 years ago, there's a lot of turmoil there today as well. Yeah, uh, political turmoil uh, for actually uh, several months now and some uh, physical turmoil, uh, riots on the Temple Mount and uh, in some places here in Jerusalem. Uh, that happened, and also some rocket fire from Gaza into southern Israel. So, yes, uh, turmoil here. Uh, but and I, I would say I addressed the uh, turmoil on the Temple Mount. We did a story on that 
And, you know, many people may look at it and really put the blame on Israel. But uh, if you look beyond that, there is uh, Hamas, Islamic Jihad, even Iran, Tony, that incites uh, young Palestinians to go ahead and do what they say is actually uh, save the Al-Aqsa Mosque. The, the protest there is uh, the threat is supposedly that Israel is attacking the, uh, the Al-Aqsa Mosque. It's not quite as simple as that. And if you look behind the scenes, uh, you'll see that actually mu- much of this is incited, much of it is premeditated, and many times, just because of the way it's treated in the news, it puts uh, Israel in a bad light. Well, isn't that part of the, the plan here, the strategy from Hamas and others to to incite kind of behind the cover of darkness. And when Israel responds, they try to embarrass them uh, in front of the international community. That's exactly what happens. And it's much uh, predictable. Uh, you can say, Tony, after so many years of being here, you see it over and over again. It seems like the same story being told again uh, and the same idea of putting Israel in a bad light by provoking uh, them. In this particular case, uh, you know, the police had actually negotiated with people that had barricaded themselves in the Al-Aqsa Mosque. The police wanted them to leave so that they could uh, they could have a peaceful morning prayer during Ramadan. These protesters refused, and that's what happened when, uh, when all this, uh, much of this violence went up. And, and as I said, instigated, provoked by Hamas, Islamic Jihad, and Iran. You know, we we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but um, true peace is not going to come. I mean, we can have managed peace, and I think that's what we pursue, uh, you know, through political means, through negotiations, diplomatic means. Um, but ultimately, it is when the Prince of Peace reigns, and that's when Jesus Christ comes back. And so it, it's it, we need to be pursuing, understanding what we're pursuing, a managed peace. You know, th- mm-hmm. this has been a, uh, you know, the, it's kind of the center of a lot of focus internationally, Jerusalem, Israel, and for such a small country, I mean, there's there are a lot of eyes on that country. All the time, Tony, and, and just a small disturbance that, that goes on the Temple Mount or some places here in Jerusalem, uh, it does reverberate around the world. After the disturbances on, uh, uh, on Wednesday night, the Arab League called a emergency session. Uh, so it, it really does. Some people have said, you know, when Jerusalem sneezes, the world gets a cold. But uh, it really does reverberate uh, because this is the epicenter of so much news and so much spiritual and political attention. But, Chris, as a, as a believer there, you've been there for over 20 years now in Jerusalem. Having an understanding of Scripture, does that not help you understand and report the news because you see it in the context of the bigger picture of God's plan and of human history. Very much so. I mean, I don't think if you don't have a a biblical context, you can really understand some of the things that are going on today politically, geopolitically, as well as spiritually. You know, there's a verse in the Hebrew Scriptures that says uh, the sons of Issachar were where they understood the times. At CBN News, and I'm sure you do, Tony, you want to have a context, you want to understand the times from a biblical perspective. And, and given that added layer of understanding really gives you a context of what's happening in the world today or here in the city of Jerusalem. Yeah, and I, and I like the rest of that verse, and they knew what to do. And I think that's why we should, as, as followers of Christ, we should not step back, not be intimidated by the broader culture, because not only do we understand through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God, but we know what to do, and so we have solutions. And and I think that's why, uh, you know, Mike Pompeo 
was uh, a, a good Secretary of State, one of the best that we've seen, and he was very open about his Christian faith, and he said, it helps mm-hmm. me. And it, and it did yeah. gain him a sense of, of respect from those of, of different faiths, but they understood that he was straightforward, and he had that context of viewing the world through scriptures. Uh, I want to go to one of the issues that has uh, been uh, domestically kind of a, a politically charged, and that is the judicial reforms that the prime minister has been pushing, had to back off of. Where does that stand? Well, right now it's on pause. Uh, he did back down and say, we're going to hold on the legislation until after the Passover recess, which would be another month or so. Uh, Passover, you know, is being celebrated this week. Uh, and it remains to be seen what will, how will it would unfold, uh, Tony. Right now, it seems like the people are posing judicial reform or maintaining their demonstrations. There are negotiations going on right now in the uh, president's residence. He's trying to mediate between those who oppose and, and support judicial reform. Uh, I would add, Tony, that I think uh, what I've been hearing from some people is uh, is it's not just a argument or a debate about judicial reform trying to restrain what some people have said has been a runaway Supreme Court, perhaps one of the strongest in the world, but also an attempt uh, a resistance, uh, I've heard this term, uh, to overthrow the Netanyahu government. So it's uh, it's a very important time to be praying for the peace of uh, Jerusalem, for praying for wisdom for leaders here in in uh, in Israel. Uh, it's it's a very volatile time. Now, some people have told me it's uh, so so much divisiveness in this, uh, the country uh, between both sides. Uh, almost uh, perhaps the worst time or most dangerous time in Israel's history since the 1973 uh, Yom Kippur War. That's pretty significant um, when you consider all that has happened in Israel uh, over the last 50 years. Let me, uh, this is not going to be my last question. It usually is my last question. We don't really get to unpack it, but you made reference to the people need to be praying. So how can believers on this Good Friday, as their thoughts go to what happened on Mount Calvary, what happened there at Golgotha? What, what should we be praying? How speak to us? Give us give us insight uh, on how we should be praying for Israel right now. Well, obviously, pray for wisdom, as it says in Second uh, Timothy, to pray, pray for wisdom for the leaders. Uh, I, I would also say, you know, pray for the believers uh, all over the world uh, to be following the Lord uh, that much closer and draw closer to him. I, I wanted to mention something since this is Good Friday. Our good friend Paul Strand did a story on Psalm 22. And if you look at Psalm 22, it's literally a almost word for word uh, prophetic expr- exp- expression of what Jesus went through on the cross. And I think on this Good Friday and as we look forward to uh, Easter morning and Resurrection Day uh, to draw closer to him so that we can fulfill his purpose and plan for our individual lives. And that certainly includes praying for Jerusalem, for Israel and for the leaders of all the countries that we represent. And, and I believe, Chris, as as followers of Christ, as we were commissioned by him, we are also to share the good news that's within us and the hope that we have, as, as Peter talked about. That uh, is something we talked about recently on the program where there were some members of the Knesset that wanted to ban the sharing of the gospel. Of course, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu waited, so that's not going to happen. 
but that, there's a constant threat, uh, hostility toward the gospel, even among our allies there in Israel. I mean, that's something we need to be praying about, that that door of opportunity to share our faith in Christ continues to stay open. Yeah, there's a tension here in Israel because of a, you know, a 2,000-year-old history of anti-Semitism and tragically and sadly much of it from the church. So there's a, sometimes a mistrust uh, between some of our Jewish friends and, uh, and the evangelical community. I would say, you know, over the last 20 years or so that I've been here, there has been uh, walls being broken down and, uh, and many Jewish groups and organizations are befriending evangelical Christians and working together, uh, you know, bridge building. I was in the Knesset a few weeks ago. There was actually a Bible study. Uh, led in the Knesset by a couple of uh, Knesset members and uh, Rabbi Yehuda Glick and also uh, Jim Garlow had helped spawn these uh, Bible studies several years ago. But they were studying a, a verse from Micah, chapter 4, verse 2, that says the word of the Lord will come forth from Jerusalem. And, uh, and that's a prophetic scripture as well. And I think more and more we will see uh, the ultimate fulfillment of that is when the Lord Jesus comes back and rules and reigns from this city. There is a lot to hope for, and there's a lot to find hope in. Chris Mitchell, always great to see you. Thanks so much for taking time to join us on this Friday, and I pray you have a blessed resurrection weekend. Thank you. You too, Tony. All right, well, speaking of hope, next here on this Good Friday edition of Washington Watch, Dr. John Plake from the American Bible Society joins me with their newest survey on Americans and the Bible some interesting information that they have found. We're going to talk about it next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. We're back after this. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discussed discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. 
You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded communities. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. For more than a decade, the American Bible Society has polled Americans on their engagement with Scripture. The results show there is plenty of room for improvement. The fields are wide unto harvest in terms of increasing the number of Bible users. But there's some very good news for those who take time to make the best-selling book of all time a priority in their lives. Here to discuss this and more is John Plake. He is the Chief Ministry Insights and Innovation Officer at the American Bible Society and co-author of the Annual State of the Bible Report. John, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you, Tony. It's my pleasure. So uh, what are the key findings from this first chapter? Now, you're just releasing this. There'll be more chapters to come. So what? what uh, let's start with this first chapter. What are the key findings and any surprises this year? Yeah, so uh, people who follow along with State of the Bible will know that one of the things we look at across America every year is we look at levels of Scripture engagement. So if you're not familiar, Scripture-engaged people consistently interact with the Bible in a way that shapes their choices, begins to transform their relationships with God, with others, and even their understanding of themselves. So this is a a way of interacting with the Bible that's just not treating it like it's uh, magic or something, but really getting to know God through Scripture. Okay, so what is it, what's been going on in America for the last several years? Last year, we tracked a historic drop in scripture engagement, really large, the biggest we'd seen in over a decade. And it was disheartening. This year, we were hoping, I think, to see a big rebound in that level of scripture engagement. But what we saw was that we were statistically unchanged in levels of scripture engagement. Last year, we recorded 49 million scripture engaged adults. This year, we recorded 47 million scripture-engaged adults, and that's within our margin of error. So it really didn't go anywhere. But what we did see that was really encouraging to us was the next segment down. We call them the movable middle. These are people I like to call Bible test drivers. They're curiously exploring scripture. They have some questions. They're looking to the Bible for answers. And that number had dropped last year very significantly, but this year it's bounced back up. And so we got, saw it go from 66 million in 2022 to 
76 million in 2023. And that was encouraging. So people are returning to the Bible. They're looking back to scripture and they're finding that there is incredible hope when they turn to God's word. Yeah, that's where I want to kind of go here because I'm kind of a bottom line type guy. So the the number of people reading the Bible is remains static and it's it's lower so it means we have opportunities to get more people to read the bible and here's why because of those who read in reading your report in dealing with the struggles of life people who engage with the bible have far more hope than others what does that mean well people have been studying hope for a long time since um, the famous Dr. C.R. Snyder from the University of Kansas began to look at hope. And he looked at hope agency and hope pathways and lots of interesting ways of thinking about hope and hopefulness. But recently, a group of scholars from five different universities, including Harvard University, came together and they developed a new way of thinking about hope. It's kind of biblical in some ways. It says, uh, what if I could have hope even when I don't know if things are going to change, even in the face of what seem to be insurmountable odds, and they call that persevering hope. Now, we've measured every kind of hope in state of the Bible, but this year we noticed something fascinating. If you look at levels of persevering hope in the U.S. population, and you look at men versus women or young people versus old people or regions of the country or all the normal demographics, you'd find basically everybody scores the same, except people who are scripture-engaged. Scripture-engaged people show three times the normal level of variance. In fact, they score way higher than people who are every, doing anything else in the culture. And so that means, you know, um, college-educated people uh, versus people who have a high school education. That means people who have different kinds of work back, backgrounds and histories, people from different races and ethnicities. None of those things seem to make much difference. But when you turn to God's Word, we found the Bible gives us hope, and it makes people more hopeful, even when they think circumstances might not change. So, Dr. Plek, I, w- I want to actually read from the study. And by the way, before I go, where can folks download a copy of this first chapter of this year's report? Sure. You can just go to stateofthebible.org, stateofthebible.org. And when you get there, you can click the download the ebook button. Just give us your name and an email address and we'll take you right to it. You can do that as many times as you like. There's never any charge for it. It's just our gift to you to help you understand the Bible's impact on America, on faith and on the church. So. Under this category of hope and scripture engagement, uh, you write, apparently those who read the Bible regularly, who live and think according to its teachings, find resources that keep them going even in tough times. So so what is it? Is it the is it seeing that others, the stories of others in scripture who have endured great hardships and who have ever overcome or is through the scripture and understanding that there's more to life than what we actually just see here and now. I think in many ways it's both, Tony. My church is currently going through an in-depth study in the book of Acts, and one of the fascinating little vignettes early in the book is the disciples are arrested, they're taken, they are beaten, and then they rejoiced because they were able to be beaten for the cause of Christ. And that's a little counterintuitive, but I think there's something about the gospel that says the circumstances that you're enduring today, um, God sees that. He sees you in the midst of them, 
And there's more to life than this life. And there's more to your value than what you're experiencing today. There is a meta narrative in scripture that gives value to every person everywhere, whether they believe God's word or don't believe God's word. God's word believes in them. And, and it's also relatable. I mean, we see the good, bad, and the, the, the ugly, if you will, in Scripture, and there's, there's almost always a character, a, a, a personality that we can identify. It's just it's so real world. Uh, Dr. Plake, we're up against a break, but I, I want to come back uh, on the other side of the break, and I want to talk about the, where there's room for improvement. And, and, and you, you drilled down a little bit to find out, all right, what might be keeping you from reading the Bible and what would help you reading the Bible. So there's, there's some great insight here for those of us who would like to see more people in the Word of God. So if you'll stick with me, we'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Sounds great. All right, folks, you're listening to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us. We're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Blake on the other side of this break to look further into the American Bible Society's report that was just released on Bible engagement among Americans. Stick with us. We're back after this. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? Join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast. This weekly program features experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders who help you to pray, vote, and stand. Watch the broadcasts at PrayVoteStand.org. Again, that's PrayVoteStand.org. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. If you're looking for a quality news source you can trust, then check out The Washington Stand. Family Research Council's online daily news outlet. The Washington Stand provides news and commentary on the biggest issues of the day, all written from a biblical worldview. Find the facts with real reporting so that you know how to stand firm in the midst of the challenges of our day. Stay informed, be encouraged, and stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com. Welcome back to this Good Friday edition of Washington Watch. Good to have you with us. The website is TonyPerkins.com. Dr. John Plake, my guest with the American Bible Society. Uh, Dr. Plake, thanks so much for uh, sticking with us. I want to go now to one of the questions you asked. Do you wish you used the Bible more? More than half of those who surveyed said yes. But what keeps them from using it? 
Well, you know, um, the Bible is a difficult book in many ways. I think a lot of people have a desire to engage with Scripture because, frankly, they see something compelling in it. People tell them all the time, oh, I read the Bible and it changed my life. Or maybe they knew someone or know someone who's a Bible person and they think to themselves, I'd really like to be like them, but I, I just don't know where to start. So one of the challenges that we have with scripture is that we look at it and we don't know where to begin. It's not kind of compiled like a normal book, a novel that you might pick up uh, when you're passing through an airport and want to pass the time or something like that. So uh, about 17% of Americans say, wow, it's just because I don't know where to start. Interestingly, 26%, more than one in four Americans say the only reason they don't is they don't have enough time. And I don't have enough time for social science researchers is kind of a proxy for I'm not sure it's really that valuable in my life or I don't know how to fit it into my regular schedule already. That's why organizations like yours that help people find a way to read through the Bible with friends to kind of let's do this all together. This is our Bible reading plan and we're going to connect having a community of people around you that study God's word together. Those can be wonderful ways to keep us motivated, but also to help us get through the hard spots where we say, and I don't understand what that means, but maybe somebody around me can help me dig in. Um, people do have difficulty with the language or understanding the layout, but none of those things are insurmountable. And in, in fact, I just kind of wanted to bring this one in. When we ask people, well, why do you read the Bible? Not why don't you? Um, almost half of them said the number one reason is that it just brings me closer to God. When I read God's word, I sense God speaking to me across the years, through the pages. He's reading my mail. And that's the wonderful thing about the Bible. It's just not like any other book you've ever read. Well, it's living. It's the living word of God. and It is God speaking to us. I, I, I want to go back to that for just a moment, because when I look through this, the one that jumped out to me, which was was the highest, um, among the Bible disengaged, I think it was, is the uh, lack of excitement about reading the Bible. And, and, and you made a comparison elsewhere where kind of related to the not enough time. It's like, oh, I'd love to exercise, but I just don't have enough time. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to exercise, but, you know, I'm just not motivated. You know, I, I was thinking about I, I'll ride the Peloton. Uh, bicycle and you're in a community and you're competing against others and so you're getting that feedback and I was just wondering you know that's where I think as we read the Bible together and we engage in it together there's that sense of community and excitement and maybe you know we get over those difficult spots by being able to talk about it and its relationship to us and its application to the world in which we're living. You know, the truth is probably 20% or more, 20 to 25% of Americans come from no real faith background whatsoever. And so I think when we talk to them about reading a book that is uh, really long and 2,000 years old, it's a little bit daunting to them, especially if they don't know how to approach that. And so, yeah, they're kind of not excited about reading uh, Homer's Odyssey and the Iliad. They're not excited about reading Shakespeare, and they're not excited about reading the Bible. But that's where we have a case for Bible people, people who are in the church, who understand the value of Scripture, to really share the value of Scripture with their friends and neighbors. Because there are a lot of people in America, probably nearly half of them, who see the Bible as valuable, as a positive influence in America. In fact, 44% of Americans say 
They think um, America would be worse off if we didn't have the Bible. So they're saying, hey, it has value to us. But it's up to us to make the case, to talk about people along, about the, God's word along the way with the people that we meet there and share the stories of God's word and God's love. Yeah, that final point there, Dr. Plake, where you we're seeing increasing hostility toward uh, biblical Christianity, but that's not true of the, of the Bible. There's still an openness to the word of God. Yeah, we see in the data that a tremendous percentage of Americans are curious about the Bible. They're curious about Jesus. Many of them don't know where to start. In fact, many people who don't love organized religion, maybe they've had a bad experience at a church or uh, some other place of worship, and they're just leery of those structures. They still find Jesus appealing. They still find God's word has a mystique to it, and they want to lean in. They want to understand it better. And that's where the role of friends and neighbors who are people of faith is so important. We reach out and we explain the value of God's word in our own lives. You know, I, I just like to tell people about when I'm reading God's word, how I hear God speaking to me, how sometimes something leaps off the page. It's just what I needed to hear. Yeah. Uh, we were in a Bible study today with my team on Jeremiah chapter 29, and we were talking about the fact that in that passage, the Israelites were headed toward exile, some really rough times, and yet God had good plans for them. And so when you're going through rough times, there's scripture that says, you know what, no matter what you're going through, God has good plans for you. And I just encourage people to open God's word and read it and find there an open invitation to a fuller life. And and there's something new every time. Uh, that's just what you need to hear. You're absolutely right. Dr. John Blake, Always great to see you. Thanks so much for taking time to join us on this Friday and uh, appreciate the work that the American Bible Society does. Thank you, Tony. God bless. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. There's more of this Good Friday edition of Washington Watch after the break as we approach the weekend and Resurrection Sunday. We're back after this. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged, be in the know, and stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices, 
and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Again, go to frc.org worldview. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Welcome back to this Good Friday edition of Washington Watch. Of course, on Good Friday, we consider Christ's death on the cross for our sins. And uh, the good news is we know that Sunday is coming. Resurrection Sunday and an empty tomb. We're thankful for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on that cross that allows for our salvation. Or as Paul wrote to the Corinthians on the central tenet of our faith, Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that God raised him from the dead, according to the scriptures, so that we might have eternal life in him. Given all that is now going on in the world, how comforting is this good news? Well, joining me now to uh, to discuss this and more, Dr. Keenan Curitan here at the Family Research Council. Dr. Curitan, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to be with you today, Tony. All right, a couple of questions for you. I'm going to unpack a little bit. We were just talking with Dr. Plake about uh, those that are in the Bible, that they're actually, they find hope. On the hope index, they're kind of way up there as opposed to everybody else. So, We've got uh, we, we've got a way people can find hope. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But first, Good Friday. Now, this is the day that Jesus Christ was crucified. One of the darkest days, I think, in human history in terms of the brutal execution of an innocent man on a cross. Why is it Good Friday? Yeah, you know, uh, people outside the faith um, look at us Tony calling today Good Friday, and they just don't get it. Um, you know, by the way, I don't know any serious Christians who are giddy about what happened to Jesus on Good Friday. But, you know, the critics say, how in the world could you call what happened to Jesus good? And, and you know, if you just run with that uh, for a minute, they have a point from that limited perspective. I mean, what the people did to him from, you know, the Jewish leaders to the Roman authorities to even his own disciples wasn't good when you think about all that he went through. You know, the betrayal uh, by one of his own, dragged through that series of sham trials, and 
And, uh, you know, with the Jewish leaders, complete with false witnesses, speaking fabrications of lies against him. And then the Roman governor, who ultimately bows to the wishes of the mob, right, and uh, hands him over to be beaten and mocked, uh, shoving that crown of thorns on his head and ultimately scourging him 39 times with a whip and then making him carry his own cross beam up to the place where they nailed him to that cross and then hanging there for for six hours naked uh, before a crowd that taunted him and then he died and of course his dead body suffering further indignity of being jabbed with a spear and piercing his heart but worst of all um, is that he died forsaken by God because God laid on him the sins of the world and really that's the pivot point that flips all the bad that happened to Jesus on Friday and transforms it into Good Friday for us, right? We're, we're, we're sinful. God is holy. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. We deserve, uh, to suffer an eternity in hell because of our sin. But Jesus took the wrath of God reserved for us on himself. And so the results of Christ's death on that, on that Friday, as horrible as it was for him, are good for us. So that's, that's how Good Friday is Good Friday. It wasn't good for Jesus, but it's certainly good for us. Well, and as you described what Jesus went through, what he endured, what he faced, the uh, rejection of his father's father turning away from him because he cannot look upon sin, you know, um, I talked about this at the top of the program. Religion is man's attempt to reach God. But Jesus Christ was God's initiative to reach man. And there's yes. a, a big distinction between the two. What other, what other faith does the worshipped deity lay down his life for those that he created? I can't think of any, Tony. It's just, it's unique. It's it's unexpected. It's, you know, we're, we're reading uh, in our Bible reading plan. We're, we were in uh, we're in Ezekiel, of course, and in Ezekiel 16, you know, I was just amazed uh, to read uh, the last verse in the chapter where, uh, you know, what God requires uh, atonement. You know, there's all these laws and ceremonies and sacrifices that God requires in the Old Testament. But what he requires, he provides uh, he says, and he did it through Jesus. And that's just unique. There's nothing, no other religion like that. So, Dr. Curitan, you're the vice president of Christian Resources here at the Family Research Council. We work very closely together on our Stand on the Word Bible reading plan. And so I want to get very practical here for a moment. I want to go back, for those that have been listening, they heard my conversation with Dr. Plake with the American Bible Society, where the bad news is that uh, Bible reading in the country is is down. The good news is those who are actually reading it that are engaged with the Bible are finding they have more hope. They they in the hope index they have what is described as persevering hope. They can face difficulty. They can face challenges. And I I, I tell you, Dr. Kirjan, when you look at what we're facing today, um, you know whether it's what happened in Nashville. Tennessee, um, you know, two weeks ago, or it's these storms that have been moving across the country, taking life, uh, leaving t- 
total destruction in their wake, whether it's the political upheaval that we see in the country, uh, the global uh, instability. I mean, I, I can see why people are reaching for the Xanax. They're reaching for the, the medication. Uh, but we're to be anxious for nothing. But by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, letting our requests be made known to God. Those that are in the word of God, finding the hope of God, have hope even in the most trying of circumstances. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we, <laughs> there are so many challenges and, and uh, tribulations, troubles that are coming at us every day. I mean, it looks like it's coming at us from every side. But I'm so I'm so glad I don't have to live with headline hysteria. I don't I don't have to you know look this way and that. I look up uh, to the Lord for my hope. I look down into His Word and I find hope. Uh, you know, I'm just reminded of John the Apostle there on the Isle of Patmos. Patmos, you know, persecuted. He's there for his faith, uh, imprisoned. Uh, the church is being hounded by an evil emperor, a Roman emperor is trying to wipe out the Christian faith. And no doubt he, he, he was just like, man, this, it looks like everything's coming to an end. And then he has the vision of Jesus. He was in the spirit on the Lord's day and God showed him the throne room where he's seated and he's in charge. He's in control. He's sovereign. He's working out his plans perfectly. And in that, uh, we can find peace and we can find hope. And, and, God's in charge. And as you're just describing the situation that the early church was faced, and we see that they persevered, it didn't mean they didn't have difficulties. Uh, they persevered and they saw the promises of God. They had faith, believing those things that they could not see. And, and I think those stories, those accounts, uh, inspire us, and so I think that's one aspect of being in the Word. But then the, there's the, the spiritual side of the Word, which is a living Word. It's God speaking hope and encouragement into our very beings. So let's talk uh, about how folks can get a dose of hope. Uh, that's one of the reasons we have our Stand on the Word Bible reading plan. That's right, Tony. They can just simply go to frc.org forward slash Bible. And, uh, or they can text, uh, text Bible to 67742 and, uh, they can get connected. We can send them, they can opt in and, and they, they can be sent a daily email with a daily, uh, reading from God's word. It takes about 10, 15 minutes to read it. Uh, and then a couple of questions to engage on and, uh, to forward to some friends or family members. So you can kind of get people to join with you. It was meant to do that way. And then, of course, on Sundays, there's a debrief that uh, you can get together with your family and talk about what God said to you across the week in his word. And it's amazing. I, I'm just, I, you know, I, it's it's amazing to see not only our colleagues as we're going through it as a ministry at Family Research Council, but to see it happening with my family and also with some young ministers I'm trying to mentor, just see how God is transforming people uh, by his word, being in it day by day, man, it, it just makes such a difference. If you'll do that first thing in the morning, instead of checking, you know, the, the scrolling through all of the news feed and all the bad news that's happening, if you go through the word of God first, then you'll be grounded to handle whatever is being thrown at you uh, from the news. 
the the way this is set up so that uh, it's really designed and originated with families. So, you know, so we did it in, in, in our family, and then I took it to my church, and then took it to FRC, and now we're we're taking it out. We've got uh, literally tens of thousands of people that are joining us on this journey through the Word. But what is uh, helpful is when we do it together, you do it as a family, you do it as a small group. And, and that's one of the aspects of this research by the American Bible Society that, that people don't read the Word is because they don't it seems a daunting task uh, they 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 don't have the encouragement that they need so doing it together provides that encouragement you can uh, walk through it together in those conversational points that's why we do this weekly on a sunday kind of a a debrief hey what did the lord tell you show you this week through the word it's it's a form of accountability, but also a form of encouragement with uh, with one another. And so you can text Bible to six seven seven four two, and uh, you'll get a link back, or you can go to frc.org slash Bible. Now we we uh, we're in the book of Ezekiel. We had uh, kind of a forty day guide that uh, you and I worked together on for Jeremiah. But we've got one coming up, uh, it'll be a, be a couple of months, but we've got one coming up on Nehemiah. Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to that. I know that's one of your favorite books. It's one of mine as well. And it, it's Nehemiah, How to Rebuild a Nation. Because he didn't just rebuild a wall. God used him to rebuild a nation. So I'm really excited about that one. We launched that, uh, our reading in Nehemiah on June 5th, but uh, copies should be available before that. So we're really looking forward to that. And by the way, if uh, your listeners haven't done so, if they go to frc.org forward slash Bible, they'll also see your video commentary on the text that we're reading for that day. And what what an enriching experience uh, to watch, you know, six, seven, eight minutes of, uh, you know, commentary that you're doing that is just, spot on and really applicational uh, and, and not too technical. It's it's great commentary. So I would encourage uh, those who are watching and listening to uh, check that out. Yeah, I would invite you to join me on that. It's all designed to, I'm, I'm kind of the, the uh, I've hiked the Appalachian Trail a number of times. I'm kind of the trail guide. Uh, it's all I am. I'm just a trail guide pointing out some of the uh, spectacular scenes along the way. And so it's designed just to encourage you uh, in this journey. But I will tell you, I've gotten keen as so much feedback from those who have been on this journey uh, who have never actually been systematically reading the Word of God. And we do it in a, as best as possible, chronological way so it all makes sense. It, it's not difficult, as you said, 10 to 15 minutes a day. And it's so encouraging, and, and especially in the days and times in which we live, I think it is absolutely essential for the believer to be in the Word of God. Absolutely. Uh, there's nothing like it. I mean, get hearing from God on a daily basis, him speaking to you into your heart every day is so encouraging to me. Sometimes it's convicting, yes, but it is always encouraging to me that, that the God of the universe wants to tell me something from his word. It's an awesome experience. I, I pray people will join us. We just need more believers in the Word of God. If you're going to follow Jesus, you need to know what he is saying, and he is speaking through his Word. Dr. Kirtan, we're almost out of time. got a couple minutes left. I, I want to give you the, kind of the final word, not the final, final word, but almost the final word, on uh, as we approach Resurrection Sunday 
a message of uh, hope. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's been it's been said, Tony, that uh, man can live about 40 days without food, three days without water, about eight minutes without air, but only a few seconds without hope. And the resurrection is all about hope. When Jesus broke the chains of death against the stone walls of that tomb and came out alive, the victor over death, hell, and the grave. What a great celebration day. Bring some friends with you to hear the gospel on Sunday morning. It is. It's a great time to invite family and friends to go to church with you. It's actually uh, one of the uh, best attended Sundays all the year. It's as some pastors have described, it's the Super Bowl Sunday uh, of the year as they have uh, full houses and an opportunity to present that hope that is found in Jesus Christ alone. Dr. Keenan Curitan, great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on this Good Friday. Great to see you, Tony. All right, Dr. Keenan Curitan here at the Family Research Council. And do make use of these resources. I I, want to challenge you, if you are not in a daily Bible reading plan as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, it is the source of strength. It will give you hope. I, I tell people all the time, you know, dealing with the stuff we deal with. I said, Tony, how do you, how do you, how do you remain hopeful? It's the Word of God, because I see it in the context. I see everything in the context of the timeline of God. All right, folks, we're out of time, but I want to thank you again for joining us, and I do pray you have a blessed Resurrection Weekend. Until next time, I leave you once again. With the encouraging words the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.